What's going on, everybody? This is Brian Ward of the Dad Up Podcast, the podcast show for dads about dads being dads. I am super excited about the guest that I have on today. But before we get to that, if you have not yet subscribed to my show, please make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome to another episode of Dad Up, everyone. Thank you guys very much for joining me. I'm super excited for the guests that I have on today. He is not only a multiple Emmy winner and Golden Mike Award winner, uh, he's, he's hosted tons of shows, including he's a journalist and reporter for the phenomenal KTLA Morning News. My good friend, Sam Rubens, joined me on Dad Up. Welcome to the show, brother. Brian, thanks so much. Happy to be here. Awesome. For my listeners who may not know who you are, uh, give me a little bit of backstory about you, kind of your history, um, how you grew up and, and where you are today. And then obviously this is a dad podcast, so I want to know about your family as well. All right. I, again, I think the idea behind this uh, podcast is such a good idea. I, I'm a, a lifelong Angelino. I uh, was born in San Diego. My family moved up to LA when I was about five. Uh, went to school here, went to college at Occidental uh, here. And uh, I started uh, as an entertainment reporter for magazines, People Magazine, a lot of the magazines that people's moms used to read, Ladies Home Journal, Red Book, they called them the Seven Sisters. I did that and then I had a big scoop in a magazine. So a TV show did a story on me and I thought, gee, this is actually a little bit easier and it's uh, more lucrative, I should do this. And the minute I started with TV, I was lucky. I did not bounce around to all these towns. Um, I had a, I worked very briefly at Channel 11 and then the morning news at Channel 5 started and I watched it from home and I thought, boy, this, this could be interesting, but they, they need more content. They just don't have enough to fill the time. And so the only thing I've ever done that was, you know, super smart and I pass on as advice, you know, who's got the problem and how can you solve that problem? So the person in TV who has that problem is a person they call the line producer. So the line producer for a show that originally aired from seven to nine has that problem around five in the morning when he realizes he doesn't have enough stuff. So I called him at five in the morning. Wow. He said, you have no idea how many people call me at five in the afternoon. You know, can you come in tomorrow? And that was in 1991. And I've done the morning news uh, as the entertainment anchor ever since. And then that's led to a lot of nice things, all the red carpet shows and uh, several other things. And then what's interesting because you know, these are cliche phrases because we're a global community. Um, I do the exact same work uh, for a morning show in England, for a morning show in Australia, and a morning show in New Zealand. So uh, wow, I, I'm able to get around a little bit. Um, <laughs> and then in terms of uh, my family, I'm, I'm a dad with uh, three daughters and one son, uh, pretty uh, wide age range. My eldest daughter is 26 and out of college. Daughter number two is 20 in college. Daughter number three is in high school. And my son is in middle school. Awesome. Okay. Well, wow. All right. So let's back up a little bit because you left out a lot of good stuff. I mean, okay. I, I know you, you've done the, done the red carpet deals. You got the shows going on in other countries and all that, but I mean, you've won multiple Emmys. I didn't know this when I was kind of reading up on you and stuff. I didn't know you've written, you've written a couple books. You're an author as well. Yeah. Now, you know, what, what, what's interesting. And this was really pre internet and pre everything that, you know, a lot of people are familiar with romance novels, you know, five on the cover. Well, publishers used to do the same thing with celebrity biographies. And a friend of mine who'd written several literally called me up. This is way before I started Channel 5. 
and said, you know, hey, do you want to, are you interested in this? And I thought, oh, that's flattering. I wouldn't be interested. And they, they literally had a list of names to choose from. So the first one, I could have done Florence Henderson or Mia Farrow. And I picked Mia Farrow. And uh, <laughs> our, our book was published and it was good to a degree, but we ended up when uh, Mia uh, and Woody Allen were still very much together and it, you know, predicted their, their long and happy future, of course, which not the case to be. Uh, then I did another one on uh, Jacqueline Onassis, uh, of course, has been, you know, on any interest on her. And I, I tell you, I have not done one since, and it's a long, long time. And people keep saying, oh, you should do a book about Hollywood. And uh, to one degree, I, I, I want to do that. And I, I you know, I, like a lot of people, I have mixed feelings about social media, but I suppose it wouldn't be so hard to look over a Facebook for the last X number of years or, or Twitter and whatnot, and uh, you have a lot of material. But I, I think that the good luck I've had um, in TV comes primarily from being an experienced writer, that, that, that audiences are much smarter than people give them credit for. And a, a you know, phrase I use a lot is they know if you know. Right. So you know, you'll see a guy uh, doing a sportscast and you know he doesn't know a thing about it. And that would be my case, I wouldn't know a thing about it. Um, so I think I've had good luck because when I uh, do these stories about show business, I, I'm steeped in this stuff and I know it. And so that has uh, you know, worked out well. No, that's awesome. Yeah, I think you're on to something. I think maybe you should uh, look into maybe, I mean, you've done so many different entertainment reports over the years. You probably have just a, a log of stuff that you've collected as far as information goes. I mean, that would be, that would be a couple of books in itself. Right. If, if only I could get somebody else to go through it. But. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, very cool. So let me ask you this. You, you know, you, you, you're in journal, you've been in journalism for a long time. Uh, it, did you see yourself becoming a journalist as a child? I mean, is that well, something that you... Well, you know what's funny, and this is something that, that has struck me more as a, as a grown-up before, and it's a, a phrase, some of these phrases sound like cliches, but this idea that representation matters, and you know, if you can see it, you can be it. And so when I grew up, and this is a name some of your listeners may or may not be familiar with, there was a guy on the air in LA named David Sheehan, and he was the first person to do this stuff. He reviewed movies on TV, he talked about TV on TV. And he was the entertainment reporter, first at Channel 4 and then at uh, Channel 2. And I thought, this is the coolest job ever. Like, he gets to do, to report on all the stuff I'm interested in. And then, um, and he has this job and he's on TV. I want to do that. And so Mm. from a pretty early age, like 10 or 12, I thought, oh, that that would be great. And then, interestingly enough, um, I, the, I, I went to public school here in LA and the LAUSD used to, in fact, it still does, owns a TV station. And they did a weekly 15 minute newscast in English and in Spanish. It's called mm. Student News. And I was you know, a part of this after school class that met downtown several times a week. And what's interesting is our alumni list. Um, there's a guy who just retired from CNBC named Bill Griffith who's like, you know, the consummate anchorman. He was mm-hmm. in like 10th grade. And a lot of other people who populated TV news uh, started down there. So I, so I was lucky. I had essentially mm. vocational training from a public school in what I wanted to do. Oh, that's, that's very cool because, you know, a lot of times that doesn't happen with kids. I mean, kids don't really know. I mean, they say they want to do this or say they want to do that. But by the time they're teenagers, it changes. Right. By the time they're a young adult, get into college, it changes again. Um, so that's very cool. Um, how, that's a fascinating story. Um, so you have 
uh, three girls and a boy. Right. How's that dynamic? Well, you know what, 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 what's funny is everybody with each daughter would like, just you wait, like when they're, you know, they're cute little kids, just you wait. But I've been very lucky. They never turned in that, you know, people talk about that sort of eye rolling uh, teenage period. And, you know, you know, everybody sings the praises of their kids. Right. But I, I, I've, I've really, um, been lucky and you know there, there are certainly uh you know challenges and hiccups along the way but um you know everybody's done well in school and uh you know and, and made a, a real effort my eldest daughter lives in new york now and i know it's funny because when i was growing up in la i knew a lot of kids who quote unquote did new york for a year or two and so she's in her second year of doing new york and i think in the back of my mind i'm like well, my, most of my friends came back, you know, surely she'll come back, but, uh, but I haven't asked her about it. And it's, you know, that's one thing that's difficult with kids as they get a little older, you know, it's their choice. It's not my choice. Right. Um, so, and then my daughter who's at college goes to a small liberal arts school in Ohio and she's been incredibly COVID lucky hmm. because of the, just the school just happens to be a lot of schools are like, it's sort of in the middle of nowhere. So they have endured uh, the pandemic better than most. Um, and, you know, was able to attend the whole time, didn't have to Zoom, et cetera. And then my younger two, and I, it's funny, and, and maybe I, I'm not lacking empathy, but they're, I'm lucky there too. Their schools had very robust Zoom curriculums, and now they're, you know, back in school full time. So that kind of lost year of, uh, you know, probably yeah. felt more, probably felt more lost to them than it did to me. Yeah. Um, I, 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 you're right. It's a, it's a lost year. My, my, you know, we were talking about this before we, we started recording. My younger son plays college basketball at Hope International University and he's a sophomore now. Um, but his freshman year of college basketball, there was no practices, no games. So it was like this lost year. So even though he's in his second year of basketball, it's really his first year. And it's, it's hard because I feel like, you know, they've missed out on so much. And even though we look at it as only a year, it goes by fast. It's still, that's a, that's a lot uh, in just in that short period of time, especially when, you know, for him, he's a, just a, a new, new student coming into a brand new college, brand new atmosphere. So, well, you know, what, what's funny, maybe we'll, should make people like me more empathetic. My daughter, who is a junior in college, just recently they did the graduation ceremony for the seniors last year who missed it, in effect. You know, so they're they're yep. they're trying to do make goods when they can, but I guess you can't make good for everything. Yeah. Yeah, I know you're right. Um, well, let me ask you this. So since you got you know, daughter in New York, daughter in Ohio, how's that relationship? because uh, I mean, it's nice having your kids home and I know you know, even if they're, you know, living across town or living in just another city near you, uh, it's much easier. But having two daughters that are essentially across the states, how is the relationship with them? Well, you know, it, 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 it's funny because I think some of these, some of these modern tools bridge the gap to a large degree. And I think the only times I ever feel anxious about it is in the, in the first COVID wave and this thought, you know what, you can't get there from here, you know, and, and I, so, so with the exception of that period of time, you know, there's, and it's, it's funny, I, I still, 
I guess I almost prefer regular phone calls to, to Zoom calls or video calls. So my daughter from Ohio will always do the, the video chat. And I, <laughs> can't we just talk on the phone? Um, and then my older daughter, you know, the typical thing, I think, you know, once around once a week, we certainly check in and I'll, you know, send a quick text or, or email. So I, I don't feel a lack of closeness and I don't think proximity necessarily uh, is indicative of closeness, but, um, but I did feel a little nail biting when it's, you know, like as you and I are speaking right now, if I had to, I could get to New York later today or tomorrow. Right. Um, and when, when that's taken in a little bit, they were around during most of ho holiday time, but when there were those crunches on either end of the holidays where the travel got sort of gunked up, um, and it was really, it was interesting because what one change that's happened, uh, my daughter's college in Ohio, the town you fly into is Columbus, Ohio. And they used to have two, three, four nonstops a day from LA to Columbus. They don't have any anymore. Right. So, you know, changing planes is a big thing, stuff like that. Yeah. But I, but I, I think all the gadgets, while they tend to, you know, distract us and, and have a lot of negative elements, um, I think, it, you know, it's fairly, if not very easy to, to communicate with. Yeah. Uh, technology certainly come a long ways. And it's funny you bring up the, the video chat or the FaceTime. I, I was just I just had talked, checked in with my mom uh, this last week and just I never FaceTime. I usually either call or, or text and I decided to FaceTime her to see what she's up to. And she's holding the phone <laughs> up to her face. And all I could see was from her nose down. <laughs> And I'm trying to tell her mom, I can't see your whole face. You know, she didn't quite understand how to do the FaceTime. So um, I, I get all that. <laughs> but um, well, very cool. Well, let me ask you this. If I were to say, Sam, what does fatherhood mean to you? What is what, what, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Well, you know, it, it is funny because I never liked the idea of people who were so evangelical about you got to have a kid. It's the greatest thing ever. And so um I was married uh, for seven or eight years before we had any kids. And that was a really nice period too. And, and you know, there wasn't, there was no like family pressure or anything. You know, I think it, it happens for people when it happens, but I have found it to be unbelievably profound and, and, and extraordinarily important. And, you know, then all these, again, it sounds like, you know, broken record, you know, is it the best thing I've ever done? Absolutely. Are these the relationships that matter to me the most? Yes, they do. Um, so I, I just think I just think it's great. And if you were to ask me, um, you know, pre kids, oh, do you ever envision having four children? I would have said no. Um, I have one older. I've, I'm the youngest. I have two older sisters, and and three seemed like a good number. Two seemed like a good number. Um, it's just you know sometimes what 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 the fates allow. Um, but I really enjoy it. And then I was never, some people ask this when I give the ages and genders, I was never quote unquote trying for a boy. In fact, our son was kind of a happy accident. And I enjoyed and continue to enjoy my daughters very much, but there is something unique and different about having a, a son who's, um, you know, I think they're all relatable, but may, maybe it's a touch easier to relate to him because you can more directly think, oh, I went through that too. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, no, I mean, it's interesting. Um, 
I always say this, I talk about this on my show and then to dads that I speak to, it's like, um, you know, we can never explain as dads, we can't explain what it's like to be a dad to a non-dad, to somebody who's not a dad. You just can't explain the feeling, the amount of love that you have for your child. It just cannot be explained to someone who isn't a parent. Um, and so I, I think it's remarkable, the relationships that we, and the connections that we have with our kids and moms too, I'll probably moms more so than dads. Cause dads are kind of, you know, are, you know, abrupt and, and, you know, have their little ego and all that kind of stuff where moms are they're the mama bear, right. They protect their cubs no matter what. Um, so it's, it's amazing to me. It, it still boggles my mind. The, the, the emotional connection that we have well, with our kids. You know, one thing and why I think what you're doing, Brian, is so valuable and why I, um, responded right you know as, as quickly as i could when you contacted me i think it's really an area that merits more discussion and more exploration i, I really do and one thing that i in a billion years never expected my son's very much involved in boy scouts and my wife really kind of pushed it upon it hey you guys should do this this would be a great thing to do and i was kind of ready i was like i don't really want to do that and it's been absolutely great and it's been great, not only because he's enjoyed it so much and he's gotten so much out of it. It is really a great opportunity to, you know, again, these sound like a fortune to bond with other dads. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's been one of the most valuable elements of it, one of the most unexpected elements of it. Yeah, and no, so, uh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I think it's, it's super, not only that, you're bonding with the other dads, but you're also bonding with your son. And I think it's, you know, for me, uh, you know, my parents, they worked uh, blue collar, you know, workers, they worked long hours, I was home, I played sports in high school and all that my parents, I can count on one hand, Sam, how many sporting events that they came to to watch, they were just never there, not because they couldn't just or not because they didn't want to, but because they couldn't, they had to work. Um, and I was so passionate with my two boys, as they grew up, I wanted to be involved in everything they did. And I can count on one hand how many things I've missed. I mean, that's it. So like I've, I've coached all their sports. I've, I've been to parent teachers conferences, you know, all those different things. I even, I still coach at the high school, the high school basketball now, because I, I just love being that, that role model and influence in young men's lives. And um, so I think it's important that you're acknowledging the fact that, yeah, I didn't know, I, you don't know anything about Cub Scouts. You don't know what it means, but the fact is you get to bond and spend that time with your son. And that's so valuable. And I think it is, an important lesson that dads really learned that they miss out on. A lot of dads think that, hey, I've got to provide for my family. So I've got to be home. I've got to be away from home 80 hours a week or 90 hours a week in order to provide for my family. But I, I can say you can do both. I've been very successful in the businesses that I have been in. And you've been very successful in what you do, but we've also been successful fathers. And so I can, I can say you can do both. You just have to be willing to put the effort out there to do it. One thing, and I mean, I, I don't say this as a gripe or as a complaint, but because of the nature of my job and the nature of my hours, you know, on the, it's different on the weekends, but I have not had a weekday breakfast with any of my kids basically ever. Because, <laughs> and so that whole, you know, wake up ritual of breakfast and getting ready to go to school, you know, I've done it on the rarest occasion of I have a day off or something, but you know, something and that, that's all, that's a big thing. And I, um, I'm working during that time, the advantage of that is, you know, every afternoon pickup, you know, forever, and uh, got to know a lot of the moms that way too, because that, not always, but is often a, a mom 
function. And then that's another thing that, that's worth mentioning. I, all my kids did AYSO, which is another program I really like. And I have less than no business coaching software, but I coached 10 seasons at least and really, really enjoyed it. And I just thought that was such a well-run organization and the guardrails or the advice was so strong that you know even a complete novice like me could do it. And I really uh, enjoy that. And it's funny that they're sort of too old for AYSO. Right. My son's involved with sports, but he's involved in sports at a level where he need he needs and works with coaches who are you know unlike me know what they're doing. Um, I miss that to a degree, but I, uh-huh. I recognize that's the that's it's as it should be because you know you don't want me coaching his high school football team. Right. So we wouldn't have the faintest idea. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, when my older son was four and he wanted to play baseball, he wanted to play little league, and we. I went to the, the, the little league table to sign them up and they said, Hey, we need coaches. Do you want to coach? And I'm like, I have, I knew no, nothing about coaching. I know how to play baseball, but I knew nothing about coaching. And he told me, he goes, look, they're four. They're going to pick up grass. Just teach them how to throw a ball and run the bases. You ain't got to worry about anything else. Right. So he made it sound simple. So I'm like, okay. And you know, here we are. I've co- been coaching baseball or football or basketball for the last 20 plus years and, uh, and, and love it. So, um, well, very cool. Uh, let's, let's, let me ask you this, um, talking about, uh, let's talk about your parents for a minute. If you were to think back to things that your parents taught you that you kind of didn't expect, but you're kind of relating it to your parenting role now, what kind of things did you learn from your parents as a parent now? My my mother has a very, my eldest sister is sort of our family historian and has written about this at great length and, and had articles written and Facebook posts and the like. So my mother has a pretty remarkable story, was born in Germany, uh, lived in Germany with a, a prosperous Jewish family. And like many people in Germany, her father, my grandfather, was a German first and a Jewish person second. So he didn't really, as many didn't, he didn't really realize what was happening. And then when he did realize what was happening, kind of, you know, unheard of, they all sort of got a family of five, all got kind of in the nick of time, but hmm. that required a separation. All five went different ways and then reconvened in America. My mother was in, uh, effectively in a, an orphanage in, in England for two years. Um, so even though my mother went through this ordeal at a relatively young age around you know, from like nine to 11, she was always this sunny, bright, optimistic, upbeat person. And so she, she had just a remarkable attitude throughout her whole life. And, um, and I think, you know, with, with facing sort of adversity that, that most of us, myself included, could never face or, you know, even comprehend. Um, and so, I, I mean, I think that has always stuck with me. And then my father, uh, who was a, <laughs> kind of like a, you know, uh, pen protector, pencil protector, <laughs> right? Um, about math at UCLA, you know, was like kind of a nerdy engineer. The thing that was most important to him, because this was not his circumstance, he wanted to make sure that me and my two older sisters were treated absolutely equally, because mm. he grew up in an era where the men were treated better than the women. And right. he got advantages his sister never had. And I think he felt badly about that. Mm. So, um, 
you know, to the point where at holiday time, my two sisters and I would get the exact same gift because nobody would get a better or less than. So he was like almost obsessed with that. And I mean, I think this idea, you know, different, ki different kids have different needs that, that require different resources at different times. But the idea to, you know, try to be fair with everybody, I, I think is something that's very much uh, stuck with me. And that, um, that nothing is, you know, for my mother, nothing is insurmountable. You know, mm -hmm. oh, you, you blew that test or that game went badly or, you know, you're having a spat with that friend. <laughs> well, you know, that may seem like the world's biggest crisis at the moment, but oddly enough, even in your own family, there are much bigger crises than that. Um, and so uh, I, I think, uh, you, you know, at first blush, I, that, that's how I answer that question. Mm, that's excellent. Um, yeah, I mean, so it sounds like your mom's pretty, pretty reasonable in her thought process uh, uh, when it comes to whether it's good things or bad things. She's pretty reasonable in, in how she looks at things. And, and your dad, I love that. I love that. And, I, and I'm sure that you kind of uh, displayed that in your own family as far as your kids go. Just treat them equally and fairly. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, um, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, no, I was just, just going to say, I mean, you know, but, you know it, you, one thing that was a surprise to me my uh, son had a very successful football season and it was, but it was like, wait, I'm buying this, I'm buying that or, or scouting and the camping gear. I was right. like, I, I need to take a fourth job right. to pay this bill at REI. Um, and I was, I was shocked. Um, so, you know, but, but, but that should not come and has not come to the exclusion of, you know, anybody else, but, you know, right. some, sometimes, uh, uh, a hand is raised higher than the others at a particular time. Right. <laughs> Very good. Well, um, one more question, then I'm going to let you go. Um, if, if parents needed advice on, if you were going to give parents advice as far as maybe their kid or their son or daughter was looking into going into journalism or broadcasting, what advice would you give parents out there that are possibly have kids that are thinking about doing that? Boy, that's a really good question and a difficult question because I, I think um, I think President Biden said this just the other day, that there was going to be more change in the next 10 years than there's been in the last 50 years. And so I know, um, literally, just this podcast we're having, your, your picture is clean and crystal clear and looks amazing. And, I, and I'm doing this with you on a laptop that I bought used for $300. Um, and when I tell people, when I first started doing these live reports abroad, or the, I'm going to answer your easy question in a long-winded way. Okay. When you see all those talking heads on CNN in one of those boxes, a million years ago, just the technical cost of putting somebody in a box from somewhere else beaming to a studio, $1,000 a minute. Wow. And, now, and now that technical cost, I doubt it's a dime a minute. Right. It's negligible. It, 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 a penny a minute. And so that you know, has dramatically changed. And you could see it by watching your television. You see all these heads popping in from everywhere else. I think that my, I think my advice would circle back to what we talked about earlier. I like, you know, oh, I want to major in broadcast journalism. I would never do that. Major, become an expert in something that, that you're interested in and that you could become an expert in. Right now, wouldn't you think, um, wouldn't you like to see somebody on the air talking about all the COVID related things and you can tell 
where they have a medical background and genuine medical knowledge. Mm, Wouldn't yeah. that be interesting and refreshing? Um, you know, I think the, the, the economy has big ups and downs. Wouldn't it be interesting, and I think there are people who have done this, to, to, to see a business reporter on the air who you know really knows about business. Right. So, so I, I, I think that all the, the presentation skills, um, that's, not, that's not super hard to acquire. Um, and then the other thing I would say, when I, this is from, I started doing this in high school, from high school through college, through the early part of my career. Um, it's funny, I want to show it, physically show it, but I can't, but I, you know, I had a laptop, not as sophisticated as this one, but it, right? I wrote every single day. And sometimes I wrote two or three or four articles every single day. And, and oddly enough, that kind of job right now, which is on a sort of lower rung, you go on LinkedIn right now and there's 400 websites begging for people who can do just that. Right. Um, so the, you know, it's, it's going to, the ability to, to, to write clearly and write in an interesting way, I, I think is at an absolute premium. And then the last thing is just these simple, simple work habits. Um, you know, 10 minutes early is five minutes late. Right. <laughs> All that stuff, you know, do, do what you say, show up on time. Um, we, we, we talk about that. I, 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 this is not to disparage this fine institution, but one thing that I've learned just working with a lot of interns is there's no relationship between what I perceive as the caliber of the institution and the caliber of the intern. So I may have an intern from Cal State Bakersfield who is the brightest, best intern I've ever had. And we had an intern, this is not an exaggeration at all, from Yale. And we sent her out to buy a box of donuts. And she came back three hours later with a stack of flat pink boxes. She, in LA, could not find a donut shop and somehow found a place that makes the boxes. And I was like, what do you do? Um, and then the one, the one thing that I'm wrestling with right now, and this is, I would say, if you're, the biggest issue in our home is my son is 14. And like a lot of kids his age, you know, is into video games and all that stuff. And sincerely, I think, believes it is giving him vocational skills, which I find impossible to believe. And I said to him something about, you should become a pilot. And he's like, well, you know what? Because I play, you know, Call of Duty, I'm learning to be a pilot. But, um, and that, that, I don't know if it's generational, but I, for, a, I'm a, probably a touch older for a child, for a child who's 14. So I never played any of that stuff and I'm not interested in any of that stuff. But that, that, that one, we're still trying to figure out, I guess. Yeah, I love that because, you know, I, te I coach high school basketball and, you know, we're constantly preaching to the boys, hey, stop playing the Xbox basketball and trying to perform your tricks out here on the court. It's not working. It, it looks silly and it's not doing us any good. So stop doing that. Uh, so I could see I could see uh, what you what you mean by that. But uh, OK, so good. So focus on uh, a certain area um get it become an expert in that area obviously your 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 english writing skills would be a good plus um it's not necessarily that you got to go into broadcasting in college or any of that kind of stuff that stuff you can kind of learn over time that's great advice sam exactly right exactly it's, it's great advice um well very cool if my listeners wanted to 
look you up, my listeners and my viewers wanted to look you up, learn a little bit more about you, best place for them to do my, that. My, my, my socials are pretty easy. It's at Sam on TV. Cause uh, at one time that was like the only medium. Of course, that's not the case anymore, but I have the, the handle Sam on TV on Twitter and Instagram. And then my Facebook is Sam Rubin, R-E-B-I-N-K-T-L-N. So I'm, I'm, I'm on all the social or watch our show. Right. Yes, absolutely. KTLA. Um, very good. Well, listen, Sam, it's been a huge pleasure. I want to thank you again so much for taking the time out of your busy day, um, for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to uh, continuing our friendship, my friend. Thank you very much. I, I tell you what, this is a great, I, I think you can't talk about these things enough. I think it's a great idea. Good for you. Thank you guys very much for watching another episode of Dad Up. Thanks again to my good friend, Sam Rubin, for joining me. And listen, if you have not subscribed to my show, please make sure you do that. Make sure you're checking out Sam Rubin and all his social media. Make sure you follow him. And then uh, I will see you guys all on the next episode of Dad Up. Thanks for listening to another episode of Dad Up. Make sure you guys subscribe to my podcast and my YouTube channel. And do me a favor, leave me a rating and a review. We'd love to hear from you to see what you think of the show. Stay tuned for more exciting episodes coming up each and every week. Thank you for listening. This is Dad Up.